you're obviously upset. Is there something we can talk about? Talk? Who, us? What if somebody walked in? They wouldn't recognize us. They'd think they were in the wrong house. Do you want to talk or not? Oh, you mean about our dead son? No. We haven't before. Why should we bother now? What can I do, Ruth? Forget it, Meg. Why don't you just go? What do you want from me? I want you to stop acting like nothing's happened. That's what I want. Why? Because I'm not bouncing off the walls? No, Matt. That would require feelings. We don't want you to hurt yourself. Hey, Ruth, if you want a grieving contest, go find someone else. everybody, welcome to Generation Loss, a show about movies with Bryn. And Jeremy. And it doesn't take itself too seriously, and here we are. <laughs> That's right, let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> We're talking about fun things like movies we're talking about fucking movies yeah we're having a and good time and and this movie will make you have a great time <laughs> a great time yeah absolutely a if great there's time anything, with the movies this is a nice it's a nice jaunty you know quick snappy fun time at the movies <laughs> and i can't wait to get into it this is like this is one of those movies like like Treasure of the Sierra Madre, yeah, you know, and Treasure like, and of like, the Sierra Madre, Quigley Down, down Under, under. <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit, uh-huh. you know, just like good fun time at the fun fucking time. movies. Anyway, we're here to talk about movies. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here, folks. Uh, and we're going to do mm. that. Usually what we do before we talk about the regular movie is... Yeah, I don't know if you know this. You might be new here. Yeah, if you're new here... <laughs> What we usually do is talk about a different movie that we watched this week, and I know That's Jeremy right. has watched very few things this week. So very we'll few start. things this week. We'll we'll quickly go through them. Um, so this past weekend, uh, as you astute listeners perhaps recall, uh, I, <laughs> I stayed over at Bryn's house. I got very drunk at a wedding, and. Um, and then I went, this was not on Mike. We didn't talk about this. However, I did get bullied pretty relentlessly for this. I went to my mom's house uh, to stay <laughs> Wait, over who, with her. Who, who was bullying you? Uh, you and Alex were giving me a pretty hard time about no, it. No, I was not bullying you. <laughs> yes, I was roasting you gently. Uh, yes, a gentle I went to go, roast. I went to go see my mommy while I was in town. <laughs> <laughs> like a baby (laughs) like a baby i was going to uh just have dinner with her but then she i originally was not going to tell her i was in town and then (laughs) yeah and then i decided to get dinner with her and then somehow the auntie got upped enough times that uh, doggone it i just went and stayed at her house and uh (laughs) i had a few drinks beforehand so i was like half falling asleep uh on her couch and she's like you want to put on a movie so we put on uh, where the crawdads sing? What? Which the crawdads don't sing. 
You're absolutely right, Bryn. Uh, <laughs> On the Wikipedia page where the crawdads sing, uh, after plot, the second section is title, and it says, crawdads cannot, quote, sing. <laughs> but when Kia's mother oh, really? encouraged her to explore the marsh, she would say, quote, go as far as you can, way out yonder, where the crawdads sing, end quote. Okay. When Tate also used the phrase, she asked him the meaning, and he replied, just means far in the bush, where critters are wild still behaving like critters. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I watched the first half hour of this movie and then fell asleep. Uh, it's not very good. It wasn't very interesting. It didn't make me stay awake. Uh, but it's, uh, <laughs> from what I was able to gather, it's about an illiterate girl who uh, uh, lives in like a poor rural uh, south town somewhere with like a bunch of swamp stuff. Uh, she's a swamp girl. Everyone calls her swamp girl. She stinks. She's got dirty feet. She doesn't wear shoes. Uh-huh. Uh, she uh, sells clams or mussels or something uh, at the local general store to make money to uh, buy regular food. She's got an abusive dad. Her siblings uh-huh. leave uh, and they leave her there uh, alone. They all run away uh, and she's alone with her dad. And that's all I got out of it. I fell asleep. <laughs> it was boring as shit. Not a very good movie. Wow. Okay. Well, I won't. We don't recommend it. Um, and I will say this: uh, the the author of the book has a uh, controversy section on her on her Wikipedia page that Uh-oh. says, uh, or excuse me, of the book's um, Wikipedia page, which says aspects of Kia's life. And the novel's narrative choices, including its attitude towards its black characters, are said to be reminiscent of Owen's time in Zambia. Owen's is the author. Where she, mm-hmm. her then husband, and his son are still wanted for questioning in the killing of a poacher captured on film <laughs> in a 1996 report by ABC News. Wow. Oh, yeah, she- on her page, there's a uh, zombie and murder accusation is the section. <laughs> As Owens' former husband, Mark, has been accused of operating a, quote, shoot-to-kill policy against poachers while a couple were living in Zambia. ABC News aired a report in 1996 titled Deadly Game, the Mark and Delia Owens story. The report featured the killing of a poacher in Zambia, allegedly committed by Delia's stepson, Christopher. To this day, Delia denies the incident, explaining she was not involved and there was never a case. However, her 2018 best-selling novel, Where the Crawdads Sing, has aroused suspicion from those on her book tour <laughs> about the parallels between the main character, Kia, and her case. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. She wrote a <laughs> And then book. they made a fucking movie about she, it. She wrote a If I Did It. <laughs> yeah she did she did an oj <laughs> yeah she pulled an oj that's wild um all right so uh as we previously mentioned jeremy was over at my house and came home sloppy drunk from a wedding uh during i wouldn't which, say sloppy drunk well you're a sloppy guy <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> I would not say I was sloppy drunk. All right. I was wearing a suit. Okay. Yeah, it's a classy you, drunk. <laughs> it was a classy drunk, but you did the cartoon like unloosen your tie thing. Oh yeah. Well, sure. But everybody does that. Yeah. You you just wouldn't understand because you don't wear a fucking tie. Well, I haven't worn a tie since I was since I was a child. Mm. And I was in, I would wear those like MCR type ties where you would. Oh, I bet. You know what I'm saying? I (laughs) fucking bet. (laughs) I'm picturing it now and I'm sure I'm right. 
<laughs> I'm sure you are. Uh, <laughs> It was a cool look. I'll have you know. I'll have you know. It was not sloppy. It was not a cool look. I would have made fun of you. Um, I'll have you know. I was not sloppy drunk. There was a girl at the wedding who was sloppy drunk. And as you know, because I I told you the story, uh, she did set her fucking self on fire. (laughs) Sounds like a very fun wedding. But a woman, a woman at a wedding <laughs> did set herself ablaze. <laughs> so I watched a couple of things, some of them with Jeremy um, that he doesn't really remember until I'm about to tell him. I was watching <laughs> Guillermo del Toro's new Netflix series, Cabinet of Curiosity, which I've now seen mm. three episodes of. And Jeremy has seen one, I think. The first one is uh, about a racist in the 80s who is like buying um storage facility like boxes like storage wars type style and then Mm. comes across one that has a very large haul uh it has a book in it worth like three hundred thousand dollars um but it turns out a demon has it and uh in his race to get money he uh gets killed by the demon that one I didn't really like that much, but I and this is the one that I watched. No, you missed that one. And then, oh, and then we pressed on and we watched one. Uh, the one that me and you watched was about a <laughs> fat grave robber who kept it keeps coming up short in his grave robbing because the rats keep taking away the bodies before he can get them. Um, and he, I watched this. You watched this, and he spends most of his time. <laughs> In the Did hole. I have any funny riffs? No, you were just quietly watching. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you kept saying... I was just respectfully watching Guillermo's vision. <laughs> I think you at one point said, wow, big rat. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, that does sound like me. <laughs> uh, because he uh, is, is trying to get a body that has a very fancy sword, which is worth a lot of money. Um, mm. but he watches the rats dig a hole and take the whole body away. And then he crawls in the hole to try and find the rats and find the body spends most of the episode in an underground layer of like tunnels that like the rats live in and sees a huge, disgusting mama rat. And then later you see an even scarier Lovecraftian monster that's even deeper down and then he gets buried alive. That's mm. the end. Um, and those two were sort of similar. And I don't. I was. I heard a lot of good things about this show. And I didn't love. I thought they were fine. You know, they're cute and weird and spooky or whatever. And I guess it was like the yeah. vibe I wanted for post Halloween or whatever. But it wasn't like anything to write home about. But the third episode is really cool. It stars F. Murray Abraham and. It is about a guy who is called in. He's a he's a uh, an autopsy guy. What do you call those people? He he autopsy does like guy. he does like forensic autopsies. Um, coroner, coroner, I guess. Yeah, he goes um, into a small town where he often does this kind of work. Um, he knows the sheriff. There's a mine explosion. Uh, that they believe was set off by a crazy worker. Um, But as you find out more about it, it was 
you know, you do are supposed to think that he set it off, but it was like, why would he do that? So he's supposed to do the autopsy and figure out why. And I kind of don't want to spoil too much more than that. Um, mm. Especially because it it's so weird and creepy. It feels like less like, I feel like the thing that, for me, this series kind of took me a second to get used to because the stories aren't Twilight Zone episodes. You know, there really isn't much of a twist exactly. It's like they just get creepier and stranger and weirder. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's it. It's like instead of the the amazing sci-fi comics, it's the Weird Tales comics, you know, um, where the whole no, point No, I don't. Is, I don't know what that... You know, I don't know what that means. Back in the like the 30s, there was like those comics that had like sci-fi or I guess probably more like the 50s. Mm -hmm. They would say like amazing sci-fi fantasy tales or whatever. Then there was the ones that just were weird tales and they had like horror stories. Okay. They were sort of more Lovecraftian. And this is definitely on that side. Um, we're sort of the point is to be as strange and 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 macabre and kind of hard to watch as possible. Yeah, they're curiosities. They're curiosities. Um, but this one, F. Mayor Abraham really kind of knocks it out of the park with his acting. The, sh the man who plays the sheriff is really good, too. Um, and then what actually happens, like, and what the, the premise of is just so carefully and subtly, like, rolled out. Um, and then it kind of goes arch right at the end where the, the villain starts like explaining all of their motives, but it's like, it knows that and is like a part of the sort of battle of wits at the end. It's really fun and I highly recommend it. Um, and if you were thinking about watching cabinet of curiosities and haven't watched it, um, I would start with that one to be honest, just because the first two almost put me off of the show. And so, then we watched, um, we watched something with like some VR shit, huh? Yeah. So the other was thing that I, also when I was drunk, when was that? I don't even know. I think you were just uh, waking up maybe. Oh, was maybe, that the yeah. daytime? I think that was the daytime. Perhaps so. So there's oh, it was also when I got off the plane. I just had plane brain. That was the problem. Oh, you had just got in. <laughs> I think I just got in. Yeah, I got I had plain brain and we watched it. <laughs> so the other thing we watched was <laughs> so <clears throat> funny just telling you about the stuff we watched. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is that I take I, I usually take like a lot of drugs. When I on a plane. <laughs> really? What kind? Uh, Clonopin. Clonopin. Yeah. What, is that a benzo or no? I don't know. It's a it's an anxiety one. Oh, nice. And it just zonks you out and makes you play Dragon Quest well. <laughs> that sounds very fun. Um, so the other thing we watched was William Gibson, famed sci-fi writer uh, of Neuromancer and the Bridge Trilogy and the Blue Ant Trilogy, one of my favorite sci-fi writers, has famously never really been good at getting his stuff turned into movies or shows. Um, the only, the single William Gibson um, property that was turned into uh, uh, a media thing was uh, Johnny Mnemonic, um, mm -hmm. which is famously something that did very poorly <laughs> and a lot of people don't like, even though it is awesome. Um, 
But finally, his most recent trilogy is being turned into a series called The Peripheral. Um, starring Chloe Grace Moretz and a couple of other people that I didn't recognize. Um, but that, we watched the pilot of that. Um, oh yeah, I remember you making commentary on like, <laughs> wait, is this a anthology show? I thought this seemed right, like a cause, cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, because I thought that we were watching the Guillermo show. <laughs> oh yeah, like I a Black like, Mirror well, This would be thing. fucking crazy if this was where this ended. <laughs> um yeah so the 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 opening uh for me had some problems uh it was a little slow and a little i don't know janky but the premise of the show is that it's i don't know 2030 or something and she works not quite far enough ahead in time for it to make sense uh yeah yeah it's it's like 10 years from now she's working in like a small town 3d printing company that basically would exist now. Um, like they, they exist in, in they exist here in New York, but they haven't branched out to like the, the podunk area she must live in. Yeah. Uh, out here in St. Louis, we only still have 2d printing. <laughs> Everyone's got 2d printing. <laughs> um, we're still, we're still working on 2d. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she works at a, a 3D printing uh, service company and um, and her brother does work as a video game player. This is something that's changed from the book and I think is a problem because it doesn't really explain it well enough. It's like, why would anyone give a shit about you playing video games? Um, in the In the book, they fly drones for companies like remotely. Um, mm-hmm. like deliveries and uh, you know, observation and stuff, surveillance. Uh, he's a he's an ex pilot. He's an ex like military guy. Uh, but she's actually the one who's good at that, and so his avatar gets a lot of stuff to do, and she takes it on. And so there's a new thing that is really high quality VR, but it turns out might simply be like mentally projecting yourself into the future and controlling a bunch of um, nanobots formed as a person um, in the body of her brother. Uh, And so that's the premise of it. And that's basically what it sets up. Um, she doesn't like I don't it. Know they, why it's her brother? It does. It doesn't make any sense in the book. It's it doesn't not. make sense. Cause <laughs> yeah. Cause I was gonna say, like you said, it's, it's not that in the book, in the book, it's like, they're like, they're not even like people right yeah she's like a robot she's controlling a robot so i'm like i like thinking about it i'm like she's really hot and he's not very charismatic (laughs) yeah it'd be better if it was either if i'm the director if i'm the producer if i'm literally anybody with any power over this production i'm saying like yeah get her on screen more often (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's cute and charismatic and fun either that or have a cute robot Make it a fun mm-hmm. ro- robot-looking thing that she's reacting. Yeah, it's like a Wally. With. Yeah, a Wally or a three C three PO or something. Um, C three PO is not cute. Whatever you know, I don't know. <laughs> what uh, the fuck? A, a, a more a more humanoid android. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he's funny. <laughs> he does this anyway. Um, I, I, it's an interesting. It's the book is interesting, and I want to watch more of it there's four episodes out now the pilot 
was I was worried about this as it's has Jonathan Nolan's stink on it and I fucking mm-hmm. hate Westworld. I think it's a bad show. I think Jonathan Nolan should be in prison. <laughs> I <laughs> I hate his writing and the only thing he's ever he's never done anything good. I think he wasn't even involved with Tenet. So uh I was worried that it was gonna be really bad and it was kind of mediocre but by the end I was sort of like okay but what's going to happen mm-hmm. and that, that I think that's good enough for me to continue watching it hopefully did you have any do you remember it do you have any opinions I remember liking it I remember being engaged in it uh, but I think my biggest takeaway was like why why am I looking at the brother why is this guy at the what? guy yeah yeah why this regular ass dude <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> who barely He's, seems like an actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This medium hot man. <laughs> <laughs> this normal looking dude. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think that is a weird choice. And Not a fan. Hopefully Do she better. gets changed into a cute robot or herself soon. Or a uh, sexier lady. Uh, or an even sexier lady. What if that happened? What if that happened? What would, <laughs> what would we do? Uh <laughs> So let's see the the other thing I watched this week. Uh, was, you watched the Dragon Show. Oh right, we watched the Dragon Show. We watched we watched one episode. Did you finish it? Did you finish the other one? No. Oh, <laughs> you pain in the ass! <laughs> I'll watch it this. I'll watch it next week, um, and we'll we'll talk about it next week. But uh, this week I watched the first two episodes. Are the only ones that out of the White Lotus number two. Mm, I haven't um, watched it yet. Is it good? It is interesting. It's good. I'm enjoying it. Um, it. It feels like it's taking an interesting tact of making it more confusing who the rich assholes are. Okay. Like in the last in the last show, in the last series, a big part of it was it kind of wanted to trick you a little bit, like have you on certain people's sides and then basically have everyone implicated as an asshole or a bad person, except for the staff. And that demarcation was like pretty clear. Um, Mm -hmm. even, even the, the, uh, the manager of the hotel, he gets like, you know, he's kind of a dick in certain ways, but like he's, he's sort of, his story is not like, Oh, he's, a betrayal or whatever i don't know right it kind of like it, it examines all of these dynamics this one is really out there i i really don't know what they're trying to say even by season by episode two with some of these mm-hmm. um well i don't know that i don't know that you really like white lotus season one i don't know that it necessarily came together what the show was about until the very very last episode right and so I kind of have that same feeling where I'm like, what is, what are we going for this time? And it keeps like, it feels like it's purposefully throwing me on loops Mm -hmm. where they want you to be like, this is the standpoint of the writers. And then it'll like subvert that later and be like, oh no, maybe they were being assholes. Maybe that's like dumb lib shit because it is. And maybe yeah. these people were saying the right things in this situation, but they're assholes too for these. It's it's really interesting. Um, so it's funny and entertaining, and I really love that show. And it seems to be shaping up to be just as good. But I, 
I'm excited to hear what you say and until to see more of it. Mike White forever. Mike White forever. What else has he done again? I always forget what that guy does. School of Rock. Oh, yeah. School of Rock is a good show. And by that, I mean movie. <laughs> and what else did he do? He did other stuff, I think. Yeah, he's done He's done a couple of things. Ooh, a uh, lot of stuff. Oh, he didn't direct School of Rock. That's interesting. It was He was a writer, right? Oh, yeah. It was because um, it was... Um, Richard Linklater is the director. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Um, that guy, I love that guy's career. Just like doing the most insane choices all of the time. Um, yeah, so that's, I think, all I've watched. And we usually start into the movie a little later, but I feel like this is pretty complicated story. We might as well get going. Yeah, there's on a it. lot. There's a lot <laughs> of stuff here. Um, so, you, so, so you want to move to the feature presentation? Let's get into it. Let's move on. Feature presentation All right, time. Feature presentation. Uh, this is another uh, pre-World Cup Bryn pick. Um, before next week is the World Cup, where we watch all soccer movies for a month. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, four weeks. Uh, December won't end before the World Cup. Um, no. So this movie is from. 2001 uh it's directed by todd field and i will say i'll tell you this i just want to say right up top it's called in the bedroom i haven't i hadn't seen this movie um, oh you hadn't no todd field i love as a director but he's only directed two movies <laughs> um he directs like three well it came out this year tars is he directed this it came out in 21 little children came out in 2006 which i've seen mm -hmm. many times i i love that movie i think it's a great movie and then he didn't direct anything until 2022 yeah and it's been so long everyone has cl been clamoring for him to come back and do something but it's like his star has really faded because it's been so long he's been like yeah. in you know almost 15 years or so of 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 development hell on so many different projects all sound really is that what it is or did he just like step away from it no he said he, he did this really long really interesting interview where he was just like i decided to not make compromises like mm -hmm. I, I a lot of people do one for them one for me and i wasn't going to do one for them he's like i basically just like I, I mean, I don't know what kind of money he was making being able, but he was like, he's like a weird um, prodigy. He he grew up being like a a, a really uh, promising jazz musician in high school, mm -hmm. uh, and then got sucked into acting. And then before he made any movies, he was in a Woody Allen movie. He was in Eyes Wide Shut as Nick Nightingale. Um, like he worked with Kubrick and Woody Allen. He's just like people like were like encouraging him to learn film and then he learned film and then put together a million bucks to make this movie. And then it was just like a huge critical darling. It was nominated for all kinds of Academy Awards. And then he made He's the show. voice of old drippy on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yes. That is another insane thing about him. So he just is a really fascinating dude. And he basically just said, I want to make good movies and I'm not going to make a not good movie. Um, yeah. So did stuff he was interested in and never got anything made for 15 years and finally got tar made with Kate Blanchett. 
So I'm very excited to go see it. And I wanted to watch this movie finally because I never sat down and watch it. Um, and I'm really not sure why. But I want to say that I did not know a single thing about this movie going in. I didn't read about it. I don't know why. Little Children is one of my favorite movies. Everyone said it was great. I just never sat down and watched it. And I kind of wanted to keep myself a little like out of the know for it. Yeah. Um, and so I thought this movie was going to be a romantic drama <laughs> about, you know, sleeping together or whatever. Uh, yeah. it, it isn't. Um, I'm a little, I'm a little bummed out. I, um, so at the very beginning of this, I turned it on and I like, I wanted to come in as cold as possible. I knew nothing about it. Um, and I looked, you know, at just kind of like the brief little, like two sentence synopsis that's on letterbox. That's just like, you know, a it's a family family drama in, in transition and like a, a, an unspeakable tragedy. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's just watch it come in cold. Uh, and then like kind of in the first like 15 minutes or so, uh, not even first 15 minutes, it's like the first like five minutes or so, like I see like these little kids around and like we meet the ex-husband and I'm like, all right, I need to look this up. I can't. <laughs> Wait, who dies? To... It can't be a baby. Yeah, exactly. Like there's going to be, there's going to be some sort of a tragedy. I need to look up who it is. Um, cause I just watched, you know, the Halloween, the Halloween ends, ends yeah. and that was really tough for me. And I'm like, I can't fucking, I just got to look it up. Did you and watch I, this I'm with Mo? S- uh, some of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I was really fucking, I, I, I just, I wish I didn't, I wish I had the courage to have just gone through with it because I, I feel like it would have been better not to have known what happens. Yeah. But it's, it's still really insane watching it. Even if you know that. So we're going to, so for sure. Yeah, no, it definitely didn't ruin the movie for me, but I feel like I would have had an even better time. Right. Um, Let's just, I mean, we usually don't ever say spoilers or anything because you know the show. We spoil everything. Who gives a shit? But really, if you do want to see this movie and you have any interest in it at all, just watch it now and shut everything. Don't don't listen to anything about it. Yeah, don't um, worry. It's not a kid. It's not a little kid that dies. It's not a dog or whatever. Like, it's not a <laughs> yeah, little the movie is, <laughs> Like <laughs> The movie is extremely tough and emotionally intense but it's also very fascinating yeah you Um, can handle it you'll be fine yeah um Um, but from here on out spoilers spoilers so the movie is about a family in maine who their son is back from college he's graduated undergrad and he's now summertime fling uh with an older woman before he goes to grad school for architecture he's an architect His girlfriend is Marissa Tomei. She's beautiful. She's a dime, um, as usual. <laughs> absolute dime. Double dime <laughs> this time around, in fact. Um, <laughs> and an unbelievable uh, MILF. <laughs> right. <laughs> she has, uh, she two, has kids. two kids. Uh, and uh, an a ex-husband marriage. who's a big pain in the ass. And that's what we know about him at the beginning. Right. He's a big pain in the ass. And he... Uh, you know, he's just fucking around with this girl. He's, you know, trying to play it like he's cool about it, but he's actually really falling in love with her. This is, this is the kid's name is Frank. You know, he's, you know, in his twenties and she's like probably a little older in her thirties. Yeah. Um, but she looks great and that's not stopping him at all. Um, and he wants to be good for, to her and he wants to, you know, do right by her. 
And so yeah, and he the, has a relationship with the kids. He like he's yeah. hanging out with them without her. You the know, very that's first, crazy. The very first scene we see is very confusing because I thought that was his brother. Um, yeah. But the first scene is them, uh, him and his dad and the little kid in the lobster boat um, finding the lobster traps and we get the title drop. It's not about fucking. It's actually there's a something called the bedroom and a lobster trap, which is the rear of the trap where if more than two lobsters go in there, they start fighting and killing each other. Yeah. And so uh, he's like hanging out with the kid and trying to foster a relationship with the kid. And it's all very nice. Not even trying. Like it's, it's there. Like they have a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's, there's just kind of like a, a sort of a, a, you know, like a drama hanging over it all where like his parents very obviously are like not stoked about the idea of their, you know, their their kind of like upwardly mobile, educated son, you know, dating a single mother, you know, in in their you know main town, and it's like both of the parents are like a doctor and a and a teacher, like they're obviously you upper know, middle upper class. middle class, like they they have expectations and they have you know uh, ambitions and they have things that they that they want from yeah. him and one of them is not to you know marry a fucking like probably drop out uh single mom <laughs> yeah she uh, works at a convenience store she works at the convenience store yeah so so there's definitely some pressure there the dad is much more like ease about it where he's like hey you know like you're having fun you're doing your thing uh i'll yeah. kind of like chip away at this in my own sort of way and the mom is very overt about it saying like you are ruining your life uh yeah. and you're ruining these kids lives too and like she's and, like and she's kind of she's she's wrong and she's right right because like mm-hmm. there is something to be said and he does start to recognize it kind of towards the end of this first act where he starts to realize like i am kind of gonna fuck these kids if i do go away to school like right. he starts to realize like we have a relationship and I can't actually walk away from this because there are other people in this relationship. It's right. not just you, me and this woman, you know, you have to break it off or you have to make a decision to stay. Like you kind of have to shit or get off the pot because there's kids involved. Yeah. Um, and, and so he starts to kind of actually gravitate towards that. And he decides he's going to maybe uh, be a fisherman for a while. Right. Which is mom is not happy about. Yeah. Um, and his dad isn't super stoked about it either, but he at least like, Frank is able to make a compelling case to him by being like, Hey, you, all you ever want to do is fish. Like you leave your office all the time to go fishing. Why not just cut the middleman and be a fisherman? (laughs) Right. Exactly. He's like, it doesn't seem like a great life to do this office job bullshit. You know, he's like, I like doing the drawing and stuff. So they have a lot of, this movie is full of conversations. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, they um you got to get to it eventually basically what happens is that so so the yeah the ex-husband the or the father of the kids i guess we don't know if they were married oh we do they're because they're not fully divorced uh they're not legally done yet um so the ex-husband is coming around the first time we see him he just like shows up too early to pick up the kids which is kind of just like a minor divorce grievance happens all the time right but um, there's some clearly tension there and people don't want him around for some reason yeah. and yeah. but it's not like it's not insane yet and then the second time we see him he has broken into her house uh through the chimney to bring <laughs> a trophy to the kid that's like his old trophy 
that he's giving to the kid because he's getting better at baseball. I don't understand what's happening there exactly. Um, right. but he's, he's broken into the house. Uh, and then, um, at some point he fights Frank and gives him a black eye. Uh, mm-hmm. a couple other little things like this happen. And eventually there's a scene where, uh, Frank is over at, uh, at Natalie's house hanging out with the kids. He show the, the ex-husband shows up and, uh, they get in a scuffle. Uh, Natalie's upstairs with the kids hiding and uh, the guy shoots Frank and kills him. In the head. Shoots him in the head, shoots him in the face, through the eye, uh, and kills him instantly. And right. this is the end of the first act of the film. Up until this point, Frank is the main character. It's Frank's movie. It really Frank's feels, the star. Yeah, you're just like, whoa, this is... <laughs> okay, so Frank's dead now. That's crazy. Um, it feels yeah. like it's been half an hour or so. Um, yeah. All of a sudden, Frank is dead. Uh, Frank is played by Nick Stahl, by the way, um, who you probably know from what was that guy in? The Thin Red Line. The Thin Red Line. We've all seen that. <laughs> <laughs> Bully. Uh, he, oh, yeah. He's in Sin City. He's the yellow bastard. The HBO series Carnival. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is in Carnival. Terminator 3, Rise of the Machine. This I don't I don't see that one. Anyway, he's really good in this in, in this and uh, Afghan Luke. <laughs> all of a sudden he's dead. Um Marissa Tomei is now grieving Tom Wilkinson, whose name is Matt. Matt and Ruth, his parents, are now full mm-hmm. on grieving. The movie takes a very strange grinding halt where there's a lot of fade to blacks a lot of not talking yeah a lot of very slow grieving um and and it introduces a lot of elements like the fades to black here that you don't have in the first act there's another thing that i noticed is like we just like randomly get little like flashbacky things that'll happen every so often like um matt is like trimming branches in a tree and he like finds a piece of wood nailed to it and he's like, oh, what's this? And then he like remembers that it was like steps that he made for his son to climb up the tree. Right. And but you just get like a little flashback of that. And it's you like it's not an of- element of the movie. Like you only see it. I think it might be the only time that that happens. Yeah. Uh, through the whole movie. It's very interesting how many just like random little filmic elements they just kind of like throw in here to be like you know, just really pile on every possible bit of sentiment that you can get out of this part. Um, It's really interesting. This this part of the movie kind of becomes this like meditative ambient study on grief and grieving your child. Um, It's pretty brutal. Uh, I think it's very successful. Um, and it's a. I feel like a good chunk of the middle of this movie, like second act of this movie, is just them like not talking, <laughs> and like yeah. trying to figure out what to do. Um, and so it's the movie becomes this study in in moments, in little like perfectly directed. It's 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 sort of hard to talk about because of how visual the movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, there there are a lot of things like for example uh oh 
you know, it's not as I, I always think about uh, Ariaster's hereditary, which is very mm-hmm. big, loud grief. You know, um, this is very small um, and there's hardly much crying. But like there's the moment right after the 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 funeral where where Mark, the father, goes into his bedroom for the first time it seems like like during the funeral and like opens a box and like sees this little like shard of beach glass yeah and like we've never seen it before but he does and he just like immediately starts crying yeah um yeah we don't know what that thing is presumably it's something that they like found together or something yeah, like that but just, it's something he, that means a lot to him and we don't need and what what todd field is so adept at is knowing when we need to see something and when we don't um mm-hmm. and showing you only that um yeah, it's interesting now thinking about like the scene where we see the piece of wood nailed to the tree and we see the flashback of the younger frank climbing the tree like you very easily could have done that with the sea glass but it's yeah. a very interesting like economical sort of a decision to make where you're like no we can like we can guess when he looks at the sea glass and starts crying that there's history with that piece of sea glass that's totally fine but however if you just saw him like look at a piece of wood nails of the tree and then just look sad i don't think you would have gotten it the same way you wouldn't have got because like they're differing levels of emotion because like that's really raw i think it's at the funeral and this mm-hmm. is like a couple of weeks later where it's just like you're you're seeing him in everything. Yeah. It's like a slightly, and you're making the decision not to pull this thing out of the tree basically. Right. And that's like a slightly different thing. And so to show like a child that we haven't actually, it's not Frank, it's not Nick Stahl. It's just a child. And you get that it's, it's Frank. Um, and yeah. is much more powerful. And just like his decision to show you the most emotionally wrenching things. And only those is like really impressive. Um, yeah, and, and and a lesser filmmaker would have done more in that moment to be like, you know, having like an echoey voice in the background be like, Frank, Frank, it's time for dinner. Stop yeah, yeah. climbing up the tree. <laughs> or or even a musical sting. There isn't. Yeah, uh-huh. It's just yeah, the like same some, like, soundtrack. Springtime sort of like. Or like a the little like free days of yore, you know? <laughs> or like a, t- a little tinkly piano thing or, you know, mm-hmm. zoom in on the eye, whatever. But no, if you were looking at your phone for that, like one second shot of the little kid stepping on the thing, you didn't you wouldn't see it. You it's, missed it. That's not what you know. It's Luckily, not, this came out in 2001 when you wouldn't <laughs> you have, didn't had have a phone. You should have seen this in the theater. Um, yeah. So we get a lot of that kind of stuff here. Um and it's very affecting and it's very beautiful. And then it harsh cuts to the fluorescent light of a courtroom, um, a courtroom looking a lot like a real courtroom and not a movie courtroom um, mm-hmm. where it looks like a, you know, a bad school <laughs> um, where the judge is saying like, well, we got to put all of the uh, requests and bail hearings at the same time right now so we can get through this, <laughs> you know, like just coldly reading off of a cue card or whatever and just being like okay so we're gonna do this um and 
Marissa Tomei is being asked. Right, that's the same scene, right? Where Marissa yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's on the stand, and the uh, the ex husband's lawyer is being like, "So you didn't actually see him, you know, discharge the, the pistol." And she's like, "No," and she's like, "But you told the cops that you did," and she's like, "I don't know how to." handle this situation they like they don't seemingly have a good lawyer on their side at all uh right. and the ex-husband does and it's also i mean it's it's really this is one of this is one of the few problems i have with the movie i think okay. is like the way that this courtroom situation plays out is like kind of really super unrealistic like this is not how this works like <laughs> if you <laughs> if you're alone in a house and you know, somebody gets shot in the face with a gun and then you go downstairs and a guy's holding a smoking gun sitting at the table. And then, you know, you go and tell the cops and the cops are like, well, did you see him shoot the guy in the head? Right. It's not going to happen <laughs> like that. Everybody knows you're the only people in the house. He shot him in the fucking head. Not only know? that, not only that, the guy who he shot has still has a stitches in his face from the last time he, they saw him and hit yeah, him. Exactly. Like, you have you have, although they didn't call the cops that time, so they didn't document the history of that. But I feel like you've got eyewitnesses on that one. You know, like, yeah, there's enough shit here that for sure, like in any realistic scenario, he would have gone to jail for real. But I guess like part of this is in service of what this middle act is all about, which is just like torturing these characters, torturing you, you know, just pulling all of the pain out of all of these things that you possibly can. So, of course, this can't go right for them. Right. And it does take a little bit of care to make sure you know that her ex-husband is not some random dipshit. He's also the son of um, the biggest, seems to be like the biggest company in the town. Yeah, the uh, most preeminent seafood canner in town. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's one of those like dealership type families, right? They like, mm -hmm. they own, they don't own the town, but they're like, you know, their line goes back pretty far. They're clearly very rich. They like sold property to pay the guy's bail, which seemed to be really high. Um, they're clearly paying a very cutthroat lawyer. I, I, I also had the feeling of like, I feel like it wouldn't just be like, oh, I guess she didn't see it. Yeah, whoopsie doodle. You should have. You should have uh, witnessed it better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you shouldn't have lied. But I feel like I have heard stories of things this unjust. Mm -hmm. on on like this american life or cereal or whatever so it's like especially when a very very prominent family is involved so i felt like it even if it didn't like logically check out it like sure felt emotionally i'm like okay i'm sure it's very complicated or whatever you know like yeah it's certainly not a it's not a big one for me like it, uh, yeah. it's a ding but it's not like you yeah know. i i do wish there was a little bit more jargon from some of the lawyers just explaining like why this was bad or what could happen or whatever right um, yeah or at least like give us him concocting the story you know because like right. what he ends up saying is like it was an accident you know and that's that. Yeah, no one's gonna no no jury would believe that at all, even if it was like a rigged I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like at the very least, like you gotta say, like, look, we had a scuffle, we were fighting each other, the gun was in my pocket, 
and it fell out and it hit the ground and it went off and everybody's like that doesn't sound true but then the lawyer is like but how could you say it's not right no one said it it's his word against no one else's yeah i I feel like it's weird because i feel like todd field is making the decision here to like keep the murder procedural as far away from you as possible like it's Mm because it's not about that at all like we know exactly what happened um so i think it's a it's a double-edged sword um it works and it doesn't um and i think it's one of yeah i agree it's one of the only thing that doesn't fully work for me um so so but it is what what you're coming to believe is that he will probably still go to prison they don't know, but it's gonna. The trial is gonna be like eighteen months, and he's out on bail. Yeah, um, which and, that and he'll part, go to he'll go to prison for five to ten years, is what they end up saying. And that's what the lawyer is like predicting. Her, their shitty lawyer. Um, and so now this part of the movie, this sort of second part of the second half or the second act, sort of becomes both of them kind of losing their minds over this. That mm-hmm. like wait, this guy clearly murdered our son in cold blood for basically no reason and they're being fucked by the justice system. Yeah, there's, and, there's and, nothing we can do about this. There's no justice coming our way. And right. we just have to not only live with this, fa- like not only live with the grief, live with the injustice, but also we live in a fucking small town and we just see this dipshit around. Right. Uh, and this part... This part rings very true to me. Like mm-hmm. the this part doesn't feel like like getting into that situation I feel like is a little shaky like we just talked about, but once yeah. you're actually there of like I know this guy fucking killed my son and that's all there's nothing else to do about it, that is a situation that does happen. Um mm-hmm. and has maybe happened in my life. But um it's it's really frustrating and and they're losing their minds over it and this culminates in some scenes that are less quiet and more confrontational but still very awkward uh mark going to marissa tomei and sort of like asking questions um marissa tomei going to sissy spacek ruth and trying to ask for forgiveness and getting like shock slapped in the face um in an insane scene. Uh, <laughs> um, and then Mark going to like different places and people and trying to figure out what he can do and how he can help and what, what can come of this. Yes. Yeah, so um, trying to like get Intel from people and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting. It kind of like the movie starts to become like cattle and Varga at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but, you, um, but it's really careful about it cause you don't really know, that it's slipping into a different movie. It becomes a third a, movie. It becomes a revenge movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're, you don't we're really now know. On our, we're coming into our third version of the movie at this yeah. point. <laughs> it's um, a, a summertime family love drama and then a ambient study on grief into a sort of Catalan Varga style revenge but concept. what is revenge? But what is revenge? Um, <laughs> it's a very Catalan Varg <laughs> revenge, yeah, but what re- is revenge? It, <laughs> it really is. Um, and 
so so he um th- there's a a scene in which she sees the killer richard at a um convenience store comes home and then they have like a confrontation where he's like hey, yeah, what's big, a what's... brutal fucking blowout just some of the worst things you can say to a person uh yeah. they're just taking their grief fully out on each other yeah um, and just like like saying loving like you... it like yeah yeah just like finally getting all of the shit out but like, but like, really, like scraping the bottom, like really getting every little bit out of there, you know, like because you can see them like going through, like going through these like ticker tapes in their heads, just being like, and what else? What else yeah, can yeah, we add what, to this? What do I got <laughs> on this guy? <laughs> what, what else? What else can I throw on in there? Yeah, you wanted to fuck Marissa Tomei. Yeah, and, and that's why your died. son is dead. <laughs> your son is dead because you wanted. Like she says. She basically says your son is dead because you wanted to fuck her and you didn't stop him from doing that because you wanted to live vicariously through your son. And she and he's like, you are trying to get away from you because you were too fucking controlling. And in fact, I remember a time when he was 10 years old (laughs) when you did something to him. And that's why he's dead. (laughs) Right. Woof. It's tough. And then they are interrupted by a little this is one of the things i love about the movie is just like there's a couple scenes like this where just like life happens mm-hmm. and i i feel like people really take or or leave or really hate or really love this kind of thing and i always fall in love but like sometimes people think things like this are scripty like you need some reason for them to stop fighting for a second and so you write something random mm-hmm. but I think a lot of, a lot of times, especially in a movie, in Todd Field's movies, this happens in Little Children too. There's just stuff that happens in life. Like there's not a scene that ends, you know, like sometimes wild, stupid shit happens and a little girl selling candy bars for her school team or whatever, like comes to their door and he buys a couple of Kit Kats. Sure. And then the scene changes. Um, and I really love this. I don't know. How do you feel about that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I've I've lived through enough of that sort of thing happening that I'm like, yeah, that's not scripty. I mean, it's maybe yeah, a that, little, but like, but that's like how sometimes argu- life is scripty, you know. <laughs> but that's like how arguments end. Like, if you end an argument in some like dramatic, prosaic way, that's not realistic. What's really more realistic is like someone accidentally gets so mad that they stub their toe or something, and then just is like starts laughing. You know, like that's more reasonable to me or something like this happens where you just get distracted by something. Um, So that happens and then they sort of make up and they're just like, damn, I'm fucking so sorry. (laughs) You know, I can't keep seeing this guy walking around my hometown just like not no one giving a shit that he killed my son. And then right after this happens, the movie turns into straight up and it's very subtle. You don't really realize it until it's happening. I actually watched this part of the movie twice. Mm. Um, I finished the movie. I went and got food. And then my boyfriend hadn't was had missed it. So he was watching it again. And then I watched it again. So this part is interesting because as soon as they have that conversation, he's planning it. And you yeah. don't really know that until he pulls the gun out. Um. But there's these, he starts like asking about him, where he's 
where he's working, where he lives, where he's been seen. And then basically asks his friend to help him kill the guy. Yeah, this friend who, during the grief portion of the film... Oh, uh, right. I forgot about his Took his him friend. out to his cool, gigantic, um, you know, Pine Barrens-ass fucking country <laughs> home. Yeah. And, uh, and we have a conversation with him where he's like, and by the way, how big is this place again? And he's like, it's it stretches from the river to the sea. Like it's, it's huge. It's uh, it's huge. It's gigantic. Palestine must be free. And is <laughs> um, <laughs> it from the river to the sea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Um, and anyway, uh, yeah. So so they they uh, they go and find the ex husband uh, at a bar hitting on a chick uh, aggressively to, and shit. Yeah, trying to probably rape her. Yeah. Um, she gets away. He's like, ah, whatever, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then they <laughs> they fucking uh, take him into the car uh, at gunpoint. They take him to his house. They make him pack a bag. It's just say, Matt at this point. Yeah. It's just he the- says, uh, pack for warm weather. Uh, and um, you're going to fucking skip town. You're going to skip bail. You're going to leave. We bought you an Amtrak ticket. Right. And this uh, this sequence is very very tense and very slow because you don't know what his plan is. You don't know if because he basically is trying to convince Richard that he's holding a gunpoint, make him do this. He's making him pack a bag to leave. You don't know that's not the case yet. Um, But he's like, you're going to leave. We've, we've arranged it. I've got this all figured out. Just don't come back. I can't, I don't want to go through this trial. My wife can't see you around the town. You're just getting the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah. And you're not sure if Richard is going to freak out and pull a gun on him. You're not sure if he's going to run or or what. And so he does that. He takes him back to his house or Richard takes him back to his house. Then they, he makes him start driving, listening to the baseball game. He tells him not to talk. Richard keeps trying to talk. And be like, hey, man, I, you know, he was fucking my hot wife. Like, I'm. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> fucking blowing it. <laughs> <laughs> cannot, cannot stress enough, like, how much if you're in this situation, don't try to be like, hey, listen, your son was fucking my wife. I yeah. had to murder him. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I w- was kind of justified in killing your son. Like, what are you <laughs> talking about? Uh, just further cementing that this guy is a huge piece of shit. Um, and so they, he's like, go this way. And he's like, that's not where the airport is. And he's like, oh, we're going to keep you somewhere. We don't want your, you know, he's got all the answers to every question he has that you might have. If you were in this situation, be like, that's not where the airport is. Like, Well, someone's going to take you for a minute. We need to not have your car left at the airport. Like all of these things we have planned and he's buying it mostly, um, And then we finally get to the place where they're going, the cabin where his friend is. His friend comes out and uh, Mark kind of just freaks out a little, just shoots him. Yeah. And and his friend is like, hey, we said we're going to take him into the woods, man. And he's like, "I, I couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. I just couldn't fucking wait. He He pumps him full of lead three times, I think. Um, yeah, and then they bury Once him. Once again, down on the ground. To when he's on the ground. Yeah. 
Uh, and, yeah, and then they take him out into the woods. They bury him, uh, and then they drive back to town. And all of this still, by the way, I'm like, I'm kind of speeding through it now because we're getting to the end of time. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to eat. Uh, but um, like all of this is incredibly slow in the best way possible. Yeah, very. Like tense. we keep calling this slow, but I want you to know it rules that it's slow. Um, it's so intense because you're just like, are they going to get caught? What's going to happen? Gonna caught? What's going to happen? Just, it's it's yeah. savor. It's so savoring every like little drop of tension in this. Yeah. Even after they've killed it, like there's a moment, a beautiful. There's this moment. fucking bridge. There's this bridge that you have to get over to get out to the Pine Barrens, where yeah. like it takes this weird mechanical piece that this man has to manually turn to get it to open <laughs> and close, and you see it earlier in the movie. Uh, and and then cool. now you see it on the way home and they're sitting there just, and this guy is like staring at them from the bridge thing. It's, it's four so in the cool. morning. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my favorite part of my, another great part of the scene is what they're literally burying a guy and the friend is like, Hey, wait, 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 wait. And you hear like a, a thing snap. And then this huge moose is just yeah. like staring directly <laughs> at them. It feels like it's princess Mononoke or something. And they're seeing yeah, the forest yeah, yeah. spirit. And they're just like, oh, shit, okay. And then they just like keep doing it. But it's kind of scary because you're like, why is there a monster? What is this movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah at this and, point, the movie's changed a couple times. And you're like, <laughs> fuck, why not? You yeah, know? Well, I don't know. What is going on? What uh, if it's the sun in the fucking moose? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they get home. Finally, he rinses off he he takes off his gloves he's he puts it all in the laundry it's he's he lays down in bed sissy spacek is up smoking it's not we didn't know this but she says did you do it like she knows i thought he was like not Uh gonna tell her but she she was in on this uh he doesn't really i I guess he nods because she doesn't like press him on that yeah and then this is like like such a brutal little part of the movie too because it's like he's just got home from this like long night that he just had yeah (laughs) he like goes to lay down she's like did you do it he nods and then there's like a second where you're like okay so he's gonna go to sleep and then she's like what am I thinking? You probably want breakfast and coffee. And then she just like gets up and starts puttering around the house (laughs) and like calling to him from the other room you're like you're like, bitch, let him fucking sleep. <laughs> <laughs> he killed a guy. <laughs> it's been a whole process. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a really weird ending because you're not sure what he's feeling. You're not sure what she's feeling. Yeah. And like the way it's directed, you don't see her puttering around. You don't see him. It's just like shots yeah. of their empty home in the daylight. Or like the yeah, very the only you light. get like little clues, you get little things like he when he's at um, the ex husband's house, he like sees drawings of the little kids on the wall. He sees like yeah. a picture of him and Marissa Tomei. Like these little things are kind of jangling around. So he even mentions it to her. He's like, I can't stop thinking about this picture that I saw. Like these things are jangling around in his head, adding extra guilt to yeah. him because you know at the end of the day, it is still 
you know, like like I was saying about Catalan Varga, it's like this is this is still a man that you're ending, you know. Yeah. And and ending him doesn't bring your son back, and in fact, it it takes away a father from these two children. And like, even if he is a piece of shit, even if he is a murderer, even if he's all these things, those kids aren't, you know. And right. and seeing those pictures on the wall, seeing the drawings, and you're like, he does care about these kids somehow, some way, in some extent, like. I can't, you know, I can't disappear that from my brain now, you know? <laughs> right. And then there's this last moment where she's like calling to him from the other room and he like pulls this, uh, he pulls this bandaid off his finger cause he cut his finger earlier on the boat and he sees on the lobster. The cuts. lobster kill. Yeah. The lobster him. snipped his little finger. Um, and he, he pulls off the little bandaid and he sees that he still has the cut, which I'm assuming, is you know like a a, 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 a metaphor? God damn it! Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm I'm analyzing film here on my fucking. <laughs> I'm podcast. not used to this on my movie <laughs> podcast. I don't take it this seriously. But I I do have to imagine that what they're trying to show us is that you know the wound, the wound is still open, is still there, my friend. You may have killed yeah. that guy. You may have you may get away with it. You know. Like yeah. you, you might have done it exactly right, and like you, you know, because they have all this tension. That whole scene of getting back to town, where they're like, "The sun's coming up, she, the sleeping pill's hour. gonna wear off, we're gonna yeah. get fucking caught," you know. And 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 he gets home quietly, and it's like, "Shit, dude, you may have gotten away with it. You may never have to reckon with this. He may just fucking rot in the woods." And and they left the Amtrak ticket in his house. So that when people go looking for him, they'll see it and they'll be like, oh, he fucked off and he you skipped fuck, bail. Yeah. Like, it's a they great left plan. All the, yeah, the plan's great. You may get away with it, but at the end of the day, your son is still dead. And yep. you guys had a blowout fight, but you didn't really resolve anything. <laughs> right. And it's like the, the little like showing the Band-Aid thumb is like, is it a scar? Is it healed? Does it mean it's it's still open? Like even that metaphor is like sort of meant to be left open ended. Yeah. Um, but it's like it definitely still happened, and there's nothing you can do about that. Did you solve your problem? I don't know. Um, it 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 this movie can be read a lot of different ways, and I've I've only just seen it today. And I don't really know what I think it quote unquote means, you know, like mm. it's really hard for me. And I, I think it, I think it says a lot of the same things that Kathleen Varga is saying, which another movie I fucking love. Um, talk about your companion pieces. Ca- double talk features. about your double feature. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn bonus you, episode. Can you uh, imagine? Reference. <laughs> yeah. Could you fucking movie? imagine what like, a wow. nightmare date night? I- <laughs> Kathleen Varga and this uh, in the bedroom. Um, Honey, they're doing a double feature at the at the Nighthawk. <laughs> let's go, uh, let's go drink vengeance themed drinks. Yeah, and bloody, the, the, but they're not bullets. serving food. <laughs> yeah, because you don't deserve it. You, you don't fucking, deserve it. <laughs> um, you fucking forgot your son for a second. <laughs> 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 yeah it's uh it's brutal but it's also it's not it wasn't Kathleen Varga's hard to watch and this movie is fun kind of mm-hmm. like it's so well put together and just impeccably directed the acting is 
just incredible across the board. It looks beautiful. It, the pacing is so good. It It's slow in the best way. Uh, and I feel like it just, it doesn't feel like an artsy movie. Like it's, it, it almost feels like it, it jumps from having like the hallmark touching feelings of a, of a shitty like TV movie to the like cheap thrills of a spy thriller at the end, but it's all like in service of this much grander thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, and it feels very, um, naturalistic, you know, it, it doesn't yeah. feel artsy. It doesn't feel it, a lot of times it like, I mean, it may just be because we're around so many fishermen and shit, but it feels like Jaws. Like it just yeah. feels like <laughs> it feels like you're just watching. It feels older than 2001. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Uh, um, there are, the, the thing about this movie is that when it came out, immediately people were like, wow, un, the new Kubrick, you know, like people, <laughs> people were saying wild shit about Todd Field really early. Like this is his first film. And yeah, to no have wonder people, the guy fucked off. Yeah, well, he made a movie. Put that kind fi- of pressure on him. Well, he made a movie five years later, which uh, was similarly critically acclaimed, but did not make any money. Uh, yeah. Called Little Children, which I love. Um, it's a sort of similar movie, but more about like uh, the suburbs and sort of like the awfulness underneath it. Um rather than this like little main fishing town. And it's that 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 movie I think has was even less critically acclaimed because it has a a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Little children is like kind of tongue in cheek funny in a very Kubrickian sort of like strange lovey way. Um and this movie is not funny at all. <laughs> no. I don't think there's one laugh in the whole movie. Not a fucking laugh. Would it kill you? <laughs> Would it kill you to tell a joke? Would it kill you to throw a pie for God's sake? (laughs) Uh, This movie is, but it's not dour either. Like it's, it it doesn't feel like it's wallowing. It, it, it all feels in service of enlightening and and showing you these like very fleshed out characters. Um, There's tons of little great moments. Like when he's talking to his lawyer and the lawyer is like giving him this runaround and then like the sound of his keys in his pocket that he's jingling just like overtakes everything. And then it's like just a shot of his mouth and like change jangling really yeah. bizarre stuff that like, there's nothing else like that in the movie, but it's just like, you Weird see zoom these... in on the pictures in his office. What's that about? I think it's like, I think that's like, kid. you don't I think have that's a kid the idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like just pictures of him and his dogs or whatever. Uh, yeah, his wife and the dogs. Yeah, he's a dog guy. You wouldn't under you wouldn't you fucking, wouldn't fucking get understand. It. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's an incredible movie. It's an incredible achievement, and I think it's a really good movie. Good flick. I think he, I think he did probably felt a lot of pressure when people were like, "Oh my God, you're you're basically Stanley Kubrick, one of the yeah. best directors of all time," and he was like, "Okay, God," uh, but. Now he's got Tar coming out, and I'm only more excited for Tar. Uh, everyone's saying it's great, and I'm yeah, I saw Kaplowitz gave it a good review. Okay, good. I'm gonna go see it probably this weekend. So, um, I love Todd Field. I'm a Todd Field head. Uh, I think this is a fantastic movie. Extremely recommend. I loved it. 
What do you think? Yeah, recommend. Okay, definitely. great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, that's the movie. That's the movie times. That's the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening to Generation <laughs> Loss. That's how we say it every month. That's how we say it every week. <laughs> We're all very hungry. On Generation Loss. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to hear more of our show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss where you can get a bonus episode every week. Uh, we talk about the movie news, the listener emails more recently. It's been a great time talking to all of our Patreon subscribers. You can be one by going to patreon.com slash generationless and getting Discord benefits, hanging out with us there. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at GenLostPod. You can follow us individually from there. And until next time, that's, that's movies. movies.